Hi neighbor, I'm Jacob, and I'd like to welcome you to the Park Less Traveled Podcast, your exclusive source to learn about the less visited hidden gems of the National Park Service. Instead of rehashing facts about the over-publicized and over-visited parks like Yellowstone, the Statue of Liberty, and Arches, we'll only focus on parks that you may not have known were out there, and give you the rundown on fantastic national parks around the country that deserve more attention. As of the recording of this episode, there are a staggering 423 national parks in the United States, and more are added every year. If you're like me, parks like Yellowstone are hundreds of miles away, but you may be surprised to learn that there are many fascinating national parks in your own backyard. So what are you waiting for? Join me as we explore these national treasures. What will you discover in the park less traveled? Before we dive into this episode's parks, I just want to mention that this podcast has been made possible by a generous grant from Nature Valley through the National Park Conservation Association. Now, since this is the inaugural episode of the podcast, it is only fitting that we talk about national parks that only exist because of inaugurations. So today, we'll talk about... Presidential National Parks. And of course... Any discussion of presidential history should always start with George Washington, the father of country, hero of the revolution, mentor to Alexander Hamilton, statesman, surveyor, inventor, and the man who willingly gave up supreme power and authority for the ideals of democratic government. And luckily for us, the National Park Service preserves the location where America's first executive got his start. George Washington Birthplace National Monument. Hidden away along the banks of the Potomac River in Colonial Beach, Virginia, is this 550-acre park dedicated to the birth of our first president. Seeing only about 350 visitors a day, this lightly visited park is only a 1-hour, 20-minute drive from Richmond, Virginia, and a 1-hour, 45-minute drive from our nation's capital. The original home that was used for George Washington's birth has not existed for many, many years but the park is home to a variety of other sites. Free guided tours of the 1931 Memorial House Museum are available to visitors, where you can learn about the misguided methods of historic representation from the 1930s. In a rush to memorialize the birth of Washington before his 200th birthday, local resident Josephine Rust erected a replica home that does not resemble the original structure, nor does it stand on the original location of Washington's birthplace. The memorial house was constructed to reflect the grandeur of our first president, not the historical reality of his humble colonial birth. Visitors can also roam the park grounds for free from 9 a.m. to 4.30 p.m., including the colonial gardens and farm around the memorial house. It's not unusual to see sheep milling about the farm. If you prefer a more forested scene, the park has two miles of easy hiking trails and a picnic ground with a pavilion, charcoal grills, and restrooms. Most visitors to the park love spending time at Potomac River Beach. There you can collect shells, fish, even launch canoes and kayaks for a day on the water. The scenic vista across the wide river can be breathtaking. And of course, this park is great for the history buff that likes exploring complex stories. The park includes the final resting place of George Washington's ancestors. The small family cemetery, known as the Washington Family Burial Ground, dates back to the late 1600s, and is now open for the public to pay their respects. One of the most compelling stories about the site took place at the park's conception 
in the National Park Service. Shortly after the park's creation in 1930, the park's first superintendent was overwhelmed with a number of visitors who wanted to hear the story of the African Americans that George Washington enslaved. Although George Washington moved away from this location, called Pope's Creek Plantation at the time, when he was three years old, the area, which was later renamed Wakefield, continued to be farmed using the system of slave labor through the Civil War. In the 1850s, an enslaved boy named Ananias Johnson was born at Wakefield. After the Civil War, he continued to live in the area and was hired by the superintendent in 1932 to tend to the park's tobacco, cotton, and peanuts, and to talk with visitors about his experience as someone who was enslaved. Working in the fields in his 70s and 80s, while also talking with visitors about the experience of an enslaved person, especially during the Jim Crow era in the South, were not easy tasks. But Ananias thoroughly enjoyed his work. He continued to work at the park until he was forced to quit in the early 1940s due to deteriorating health. When he passed away later that decade, he was the last surviving enslaved person from Wakefield. Although it is located in a relatively forgotten part of the country, George Washington Birthplace National Monument offers visitors a wide range of recreational opportunities, but also a long and complex history to unravel. Easily within range for a day trip from the D.C. area, George Washington Birthplace is a great way to get out of the city and spend a quiet day. You can learn more about this park by calling 804-224-1732, extension 227, or by visiting their website at www.mps.gov gewa. And now a break for this episode's featured trivia question. Are you ready? There are two national parks in the United States where living presidents reside in the park. Which parks are they? Need a hint? Both of these living presidents are Democrats. The two national parks that are homes to living presidents are President's Park, also known as the White House, where the current president, Joe Biden, lives, and the other is Jimmy Carter National Historical Park in the small town of Plains, Georgia, where Jimmy and Rosalind Carter returned in 1981 after his four years in D.C. At the age of 96, President Carter holds the distinction of the longest living president in U.S. history, and he and Rosalind Carter are the longest married presidential couple in history at almost 75 years together. Our last park for this episode is located in Gettysburg, Pennsylvania. Mention Gettysburg to any American, and images of Civil War battle and Abraham Lincoln come to mind. But Gettysburg has a more recent historical significance. President Dwight David Eisenhower moved to his farmhouse in this southern Pennsylvania town during his first term in office. Welcoming about 125 visitors daily, this small park is tucked away in the shadow of America's most famous Civil War battlefield, but no trip to Gettysburg would be complete without visiting the home of the Supreme Allied Commander. Originally stationed in Gettysburg with the Army in the closing years of the First World War, President Eisenhower moved back to Gettysburg in the early 1950s. He purchased an old farm in 1950, was elected president in 1953, 
and then completed the restoration of the farmhouse in 1955. This farm became Eisenhower National Historic Site, which is located one and a half hours north of Washington, D.C. and Baltimore, two and a half hours from Philadelphia, and three and a half hours from both Pittsburgh and New York City. Visitors to the Eisenhower home will experience a variety of mid-20th century artifacts. The keystone of your visit will be the historic home tour where a ranger will guide you through the fully furnished home of Ike and Mamie Eisenhower. It is complete with diplomatic gifts from foreign leaders, unique furniture, and the stories of those who lived with the World War II general and his wife. The farmhouse was also the home to the president's live-in mother-in-law, Ella Vera Dowd, and their live-in personal assistants, John and Dolores Money. After the house tour, highlights of the farm include spying on the Secret Service guard shacks, walking the president's personal putting green and skeet range, catching a glimpse of the presidential limousine, and a favorite among children, meeting the resident herd of Black Angus cattle near the Eisenhower show barn. So you may be asking yourself, why is Eisenhower's home even relevant today? Well, the charm that Eisenhower found in this small ranch became a powerful tool of diplomatic influence, both for allies and adversaries in the Cold War. To strengthen the alliance of global democracies and to inspire political change in the Soviet Union, Eisenhower hosted a variety of diplomats at his home. Some of these included Indian Prime Minister Nehru in 1956, West German Chancellor Adenauer in 1957, British Prime Minister Winston Churchill and Soviet Premier Khrushchev in 1959, French President Charles de Gaulle and Mexican President Mateus in 1960, and the King and Queen of Afghanistan in 1963. Eisenhower also used his farm to cultivate mentorships with budding domestic politicians, hosting future Presidents Nixon and Ford, and future Vice President Nelson Rockefeller. Even though Eisenhower was busy hosting diplomatic missions and promising politicians, he still found time to share his cherished home with those who mattered to him most, his immediate family, his grandchildren, and his White House staff. Walking the grounds today, you can envision how Eisenhower used the horrific lessons of the neighboring battlefield to foster greater peace and unity around the globe, but also found solace by painting while he recovered from his heart attack in 1955. How would our world be different if this home never existed? Now, if you want to see history in action, don't miss the park's annual World War II weekend. Every September, the park hosts over 500 living history volunteers portraying every aspect of the military life of the greatest generation and who welcome public interaction. Sometimes these historical soldiers bring vintage jeeps, tanks, and aircraft. One of the highlights of the weekend is the USO Dance, where visitors wanting a unique experience can don their classiest 1940s outfits and swing dance through the night at the Gettysburg Visitor Center. If you're planning on visiting the park, here is one important note about planning your visit. Although the site has no entrance fee, access to the inside of the home is limited to guided tours only. Visitors can only access these tours by purchasing a ticket to ride the shuttle bus from the Gettysburg National Military Park Visitor Center. The shuttle bus ticket is only sold by the Gettysburg Foundation, which is a non-governmental, non-profit organization, which means that any national park pass you may hold may not give you free or discounted rates. Since there are a limited number of tickets for time shuttles, arrive at the visitor center early in the day or pre-reserve your tickets online at www.gettysburgfoundation.org to ensure your spot. 
You can find more information about this park by calling 717-338-9114 or visiting www.nps.gov EISE. Thank you for joining me at the Park Less Traveled. Please follow us on Facebook for more details about the parks that we discussed today. And if you visited these parks or have suggestions for future Parks Less Traveled, I'd love to hear from you on the page. Tune in to our next episode to get the scoop on some less visited alternative parks to the big name flagship parks. Experts in the tourism industry are expecting record-breaking visitation at big name national parks this summer, so we'll help you avoid the long lines and traffic jams. But enough talk! Get out there and explore your Park Less Traveled.